Welcome to From the Den Podcast, providing Bears and NFL fans alike with compelling news, discussion, and debate. I'm your co-host, Benjamin, joined alongside my dear friend and co-host, Orin. Hey, Benjamin, let's get right into it. As always, kickoff starts now. Welcome to the 18th episode of From the Den, where today we're discussing everything in the NFL, from the Jamal Adams trade to Eddie Goldman opting out to even NFL players opting out in the NFL's top 100 list. So yeah, start- we did this. Oh, sorry. Uh, we did this a few weeks ago, and it was fun. Last week, we actually did an interview with Travis Gibson, which I think went really well. So check that out if you guys haven't. But now, uh, second edition of this NFL news, and we've got some cool topics, like Oren said, to discuss. So Oren, you can now get into it. So starting off with the the Jamal Adams trade. He's been Jamal tried- Adams. <laughs> Jamal Adams trade. He's been trying to get traded for a while. Finally, the Jets traded him to the Seattle Seahawks. And this, the Jets traded um, – the Jets got Bradley McDougal, a first-round pick in 2021 and 2022, and a third-round pick in 2021 for Jamal Adams and the Jets' fourth-round pick in 2022. So looking at this, who do you think won the trade, the Jets or the Seahawks? Um, you know, honestly, I think it was pretty fair of a trade. Jamal Adams is a top-tier safety in the NFL, if not the best safety in the NFL. And the Seahawks defense used to be dominant, but in the past few years, it's uh, gone down with the loss of a lot of their key players and injuries. Um, So I think that this addition might be able to elevate the Seahawks defense to what it was a while ago, or at least improve it greatly. But on the Jets' side, I don't think that – like, Jamal Adams wouldn't have worked out in New York because it looked like it looks like that he was having problems and he was requesting a trade. So while for them, it would have been better to keep Jamal Adams. I think that they did get good value in getting two first rounders plus Bradley McDougal and a third rounder, right? Yes. So that's a lot of value. He's a great player. That's why I think it was generally fair. So I think it was the Jets won that trade by a mile. I really do. I very much do. I'm going to look at the bears trade with the Raiders that in hindsight right now, hindsight, Looks like a pretty fair trade. The Bears probably won it, but not by a gigantic amount, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and originally when it happened, it was me as a Bears fan, I was a little uneasy because of just how much the Bears gave away. Yeah, so the Bears, it's the same trade where they gave off two first-round picks, except they got back a second-round pick, and the Jets got a third-round pick rather than the in this situation, the Seahawks, for what they did for the Bears, like the Bears did, the Seahawks would have had to give in a second, they, the Jets would have had to give in a second round pick to the Seahawks, but instead the Seahawks gave the Jets a third round pick. So not only did they not cut it even, they got more. And in my opinion, Khalil Mack is a way more influential player in the NFL than Jamal Adams. Khalil Mack was the defensive player of the year. Wait, they, so the the Seahawks gave more for Jamal Adams than the Bears did? Yeah, by a mile. Oh, wow. The, the Seahawks... Think about it. This oh, season. no, no, because for the Bears, it was two first round. The Bears gave two, two first rounders and got a second rounder back. And yeah. the Seahawks gave two first rounders plus a third. Exactly. And didn't, okay, and, yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah. And they also got Bradley McDougal, which is a safety. Well, I'm not going to say it's ridiculous, but he's a starter to back a player. And I think if the Jets want to be able to win, that this trade I would have done with my eyes closed. I don't know why the Seahawks even did this. Because they're sabotaging almost their whole next two years' future, and not the whole future, but they need to draft very well in order to be successful. 
And I think that the Jets, even though well, they do- okay, there are a few things I want to say about that. Um, should I let you finish first, or because no. it might be a while? Okay, so first of all, the Seahawks, like you like to say a lot about with the Bears, the Seahawks are a quote win now team where. Russell Wilson, I firmly believe that no matter what weapons are surrounding him and no matter how depleted their offense looks, Russell Wilson will be able to uh, manage to make their team to the playoffs or make a playoff push no matter what, just because he's that elite of a quarterback. And he's proven that the past few years when he hasn't had many weapons and still been able to bring this team far into the playoffs. So with that, I'm saying since I believe that the offense will be good, this addition of Jamal Adams will be able to take the Seahawks to the next level and really maybe make them a elite team and a contender. And also another point is that this is something that's joked about in the NFL a lot. The Seahawks always, or this, it just seems like their first rounder doesn't do much and he's kind of forgotten in the next few years, but then they have some like third or fourth or fifth rounder, like a late round pick who ends up like outshining the early rounder, which is funny. Like a lot of their great players were taken in the later rounds. Um, so if I'm a Seahawks fan, I wouldn't be too scared about giving away those picks because the Seahawks are very good at drafting in the late rounds. Yeah, but it's the same thing with the Bears. Imagine the Bears, if they had those two first round picks and they still, and they got Khalil Mack, right? I get that you can't really do that, but I'm saying- Hey, wait, I'm going to look this up real quick. You can keep talking, but I just- I'm just going to say that they traded a bit too much for Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is an elite player. But is he a top two defender in the NFL? No. Is he top five? Debatably, yes. But they should have given up less. Maybe a first and a second, not a first, first and a third. That was too much. The Jets weren't even expecting that much. I don't know how the Jets even managed to to get that much. Jamal Adams is going to be in a contract year, I think, after this year. So it's not even a guarantee that he's going to stay in Seattle. Like It's not like he's locked up definitively unless they sign an extension with him. Yeah, well, we don't know if this is like a scenario where uh, Jamal Adams will be not content in whatever team he's on, or really he was just having trouble in uh, with in New York, and when he comes to Seattle, he'll be fine, you know? I don't like this trade for many reasons, but I think that the Seahawks, even though they're trying to win now, you also have to take into account that if you're going to trade that many assets, you have to make that you have to make those players that you're getting for all those assets into top one players in the NFL, like an Aaron Donald. Top one. Like the best at their position, definitively, no doubt. And even though Jamal Adams is debatably the best in his position, he's not the best defender, nor is he the second best. I would say you can make an argument he's not even top five. Mm -hmm. And he's great and all, but was that worth trading that much? No. And there was this thing, I could be wrong. I'm going to search it up really quickly. NFL executives... I think a good amount of the NFL executives thought the Jets won that trade by a lot. Okay. Um, well, I couldn't find the exact players. I know that Bobby Massey was a second rounder. There are a lot of other uh, dominant players, great players now that the Seahawks have taken late in the late rounds. So that just proves my point. Oren, um, do you want to keep looking it up or should I just move on to the next uh, segment I, I here? I want to end on this like statement. Mm-hmm. That when you're looking for when you're willing to give up two first round picks and a third round pick, you have to understand that this player has to take your defense to an elite level. Yeah, so but do you not think that Jamal Adams will do that? I mean, the Jets were a top ten defense last year, but they were like ten. 
And even yeah, with, but who else do they have? The Seahawks have some pretty good players still. I mean, no? Bobby Wagner was still pretty good. Yeah. But I'm thinking like the Jets, they have some, they have some solid players. I mean, the not Jets a, had no one else. Jamal Adams like carried that entire defense because he it, can literally. It's CJ Mosley. They had some other players I just can't think of right now. CJ Mosley. Yeah. Whatever. I, I think that Jamal Adams is an exceptional player and they did play, pay a heavy price. Um, and the Jets definitely got their money's worth. But I think that the Seahawks also, it, in a few years, will be looking back and I think that it will be worth it considering. I think the Seahawks will go far. I think that the Seahawks will go far, but is it worth it? That's my only question. We'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. Williamson, some other players, Marcus May. But I, it's, it's like their defense isn't ridiculous. So they have, they have led them to do pretty well. I'm just saying, I don't know if it was worth it, but we'll see. Yeah, we will. Okay. So another main topic going on right now is players opting to sit out for the 2020 NFL season due to COVID concerns. As for us Bears fans, uh, the one Bears player who sat out is Eddie Goldman, which is a pretty big loss. We'll get to that. Um, But the team who has suffered the most from this, I'd say pretty undeniably, are the Patriots. How many players have sat out right now for the Patriots? Not sure, but it's a good amount. I can tell. Yeah, it's and it's good players too. It was Patrick Chung, other guys like that. Marcus Cannon. Yeah. So, do you want to? What do you think the impact of the Patriots sitting out will be? I mean, I, the impact. The Patriots were a contending team. I wouldn't say for the Super Bowl because, I mean, I don't know if I would go that far. They have Bill Belichick as their coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you have him as your coach, you're never out of any game, never out of anything. Their defense is still really elite. They have Stephon Gilmore. They still have very but, solid. But Dante Hight, um or Patrick Chung sat out. And Dante Hightower. I get it. And so. I, I think that their team is still depleted. And I do think that Bill Belichick is doing something a bit mischievous. Yeah, I mean, that's, what, that's another thing that I was going to touch on is that um, – one of the NFL execs was asked about Belichick and he's saying like, I think he's up to something because Belichick, you never know with him. You know, there's always going to be rumors with him about maybe he's just tanking the season to get um, Trevor Lawrence, even though he did just acquire Cam Newton. I know, I know this is a bit of a stretch and also like a bit off topic, Mm -hmm. but the jets have been caught in the past since Belichick's been there four to five times for cheating. And now I think, no, the, the Patriots. Patriots. Mm-hmm. So my only question to ask is that if they get caught every time, they would have stopped doing it after the second time. Obviously, they keep doing it because it progresses every year. If, if they get caught against the Bengals, obviously this is something that they naturally do. Because I, I have no idea what you're saying. I'm not following. I'm what? trying to say that I think that they're a team that's che- that cheats pretty often, doesn't get caught every time. Because if they're willing to to get those consequences over and over that means that the times that they cheat must outweigh the amount of their consequences the amount okay this is what i think you're saying but that i I don't know that was still weird weird way of putting it but you're saying the patriots have been cheating more than um we've seen more than has been released because if they if they weren't then they would have just Stop doing it with all the punishments that they realize they keep uh, getting every time. 
Another like uh, analogy or a way of putting it that I thought was interesting that I heard from a friend of ours. Um, it's like if a guy goes to jail for, jail for stealing and then he gets out of jail and he does it again, his punishment and his jail time is going to be worse the second time. But we haven't really seen that with the Pats where they're just getting the same punishment, a uh, few suspension or a fine, and then they get over it and do the same thing over and over again. I'm just really curious to know how often they really do cheat. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I guess we'll never know unless something huge breaks, but I'm just, it's really interesting to me that they, that they've cheated and they've got caught. And I think that the fact that they keep doing it shows that the, that they've done, that they do it so many times that the punish that the times that they get caught, it's still worth it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're not, they're not scared by the punishments or it just means that the punishments don't intimidate them that much because the NFL hasn't stepped up. And that's part of the reason why, I mean, there are many reasons, but why people aren't big fans of Roger Goodell, because people think he doesn't handle that stuff very well. But moving back on to COVID and the Pats, um, or just COVID in general, do you have anything you'd like to add about the Pats? So as for the Bears and Eddie Goldman, that's a pretty big loss. Like we've touched on a lot in a lot of our other videos or in a lot of our other episodes, Eddie Goldman is the unsung hero. I think we both agree of this Bears defense. Yeah. As a nose tackle, he doesn't put up a pivotal part of this defense. Mm-hmm. When you when you watch him, you don't see him get sacks like Exactly. Yeah, I was about to say that. But he is such a big part of this defense. A few years ago, it was either Danny Trevathan or someone said that their Bears 3-4 defense wouldn't work without Eddie Goldman. And like he is the reason that the Bears, I think 2018 is one of the biggest reasons why they were so dominant. Because when a team would try to run, the Bears' defensive line, especially Eddie Goldman, would stop them right where they are. And then they're forced to pass, right? Then they're Mm -hmm. one-dimensional. And having Eddie Goldman leaving can make teams two-dimensional. They can run or pass. It's like the Vikings. When the Vikings can't have Delvin Cook doing well, then they're terrible. That's why the Bears do well against Delvin Cook. They can stop Cook. And then the Vikings have nothing else. Mm -hmm. So... When a team is one-dimensional, it's a really easy game. That's why the Bears' offense was pretty bad last year because I wouldn't call them definitively one-dimensional. I would it, say they're they they they, they had zero they're zero-dimensional because I yeah. no I don't think that's why they did badly. It wasn't like they were relying on one aspect. Yeah, because it's not like I think they're the relying- Vikings. At least yeah. at least their run game worked for them. The Bears kept passing the ball and it wasn't even working. But that's. Not what we're talking about here. The fact that they that they're that they don't run the ball enough, but that's not the point. We're getting off topic. Right. Eddie Goldman's impact on this team is so huge, and people will never realize until this year. The Bears need to replace him because if they don't replace him, they could be losing a defense that is such great talent. I think that Ryan Pace is really trying to work within his within what he has because he knows that next year the salary the salary cap is going to shrink. And that that he needs to sign players, that he doesn't want to sign more players because he knows that the more players he signs, the less money he has next year. The more players. Yeah, but what happened to you talking about the Bears wanting to win now? That was your whole thing. But now you think he should plan for next year? No, I'm saying is he can't only can't sign everyone, have no money this year, have very little money this year, but next year not have enough money to extend Allen Robinson. You still have to be aware of the years in the future. But I'm saying is the Bears need to figure out a way to sign Damon Harrison. How much do you think it would, he would be worth? $10 million a year. And are there any other nose tackles that um, 
could do the job aside there from are, him. There are other, other defensive linemen available. I'm not sure if they play nose tackle like Mike Daniels. I'm not. I don't think he plays nose tackle. But the thing is, Akeem Hicks can play nose tackle. Like, that- yeah, I'm. He he definitely would sub in as a nose tackle if worse comes to worse. I'd say, but then yeah. that would ruin everything on this defensive line and pass rushing. Exactly. So and not they- ruin, but it just wouldn't make us as deadly. Let's send a player like like Mike Daniels. Then he can take Akeem Hicks's job, and Akeem Hicks takes Eddie Goldman's job. So it kind of cancels out. Some other players that are pretty good are like Marcel Darius. And these are all defensive linemen. And they can just go around, get some players. They don't really need to worry necessarily that much. Well, another question. Okay, do you think Damon Harrison is better than Eddie Goldman? So at the current moment, probably. PFF, I know I don't really like to use PFF. Since like 20, oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> since like 20, well, I use it only for offensive linemen because there's no other metric to use for offensive linemen. Okay. But I thought it was interesting. Damon Harrison was the best rated run stopper since like 2014 in the NFL. He had like a 95 rating. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I think it wasn't even like that close. And I think that the Bears don't necessarily need a, a defensive lineman who can really rush the passer that well. They need someone to stop the run because they have pass rushers. I think that Damon Harrison is someone who would really intrigue the Bears. So, and Damon Harrison, I said, he's got a lot of contract offers this offseason. He's just waiting for the right one. So that concerns me. Also, a lot of different well, concerns. Of, you. Wouldn't that be good? Because I would assume wait, when did he say that? A month ago. I think that that's pretty good because I doubt the Bears would have been one of those people offering a contract because I think they'd be pretty content with Eddie Goldman. So oh, maybe yeah. he's waiting for a team like the Bears. So I don't think that's concerning. But I think also, that's actually pretty. But also there are a lot of nose tackles who have opted out. Like Michael Pierce is a, is a defensive lineman who's opted out. I feel like as a position. So there are a lot of teams that might need him. Nose tackles have been, are just slowly and slowly like losing. These teams are losing their nose tackles and that's a bit concerning. I mean, just concerning because it means that it's harder for the Bears to acquire Damon Harrison. Yeah. But yeah. There also, I'd just like to clarify this. Of course, as Bears fans, I, and I'm sure Oren, fully respects Eddie Goldman's decision to sit out this season. It's It's a a bummer, but safety comes first no matter what, and I feel not only Eddie Goldman, but all uh, NFL players safety comes first. And if they don't believe that they'll be safe in this uh, COVID environment, then I fully understand and respect that decision. We're just talking from a football standpoint, how they can move on. Eddie Goldman has had, I think some like breathing issues. Like I think he might have severe asthma or something like that, like Michael Pierce. So um, I mean, if he doesn't feel comfortable playing, then that's perfectly fine. Obviously we would love him to play. He's such a big part on this team, but yeah, but safety comes first, right? He'll be back next year, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one more thing that raised the question, if the bears do sign some Damon Harrison or some other nose tackle like that, what happens next season in 2021 when Eddie Goldman is back and they have Damon Harrison, what do they do? They sign him to a one-year contract. That's all you do. Okay. You that's fair enough. You only worry about this year. That's why I think that like, Damon Harrison would be so important, but also the Bears need to wait a bit. I'm not saying wait a bit, but the Bears need to make certain that that Eddie Goldman's the only Bears player that's going to opt out. Because if they sign, if they sign, um, 
Eddie Goldman's the only player that's going to opt out. Because Damon Harrison, if they sign like a Damon Harrison to $10, $11 million, they only have $5 million left this year. And like uh, Roquan Smith, he, 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 he leaves. And what are the Bears going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, they need to make certain that this is the best thing to do at the moment. All right. Moving on to the next little segment. This isn't relating to any current news, just a fun topic. Who do you think will be the next non-quarterback MVP of the NFL? Because a large majority of the time, the the MVPs are quarterbacks. So do you think uh, that non-quarterback MVP is sitting in the NFL right now, or will he have to wait another 20 years to find that? He's sitting in the NFL right now, and it's Saquon Barkley. There's very few players that have his skill. There just aren't any. Christian McCaffrey, he had a way better statistical season, statistical season. But the thing about Saquon is he's kind of like Walter Payton in a sense. He's fast. He's big. He's strong. He really has everything for him. And when he came into the draft, he was one of the highest graded players. I read someone say that they had Saquon Barkley, their highest graded player out of any position since maybe the mid 80s. Like he's such a once in a generation talent. Yeah. And he's proven himself. I'm not saying that he's necessarily the best running back right now, but once the Giants get a better offensive line, more weapons, and once they become a more elite team, he can become a ridiculous player because he has the skill. He's, he's not a very cocky player. He has the personality. He just has everything going for him. I mean, yeah. One thing I'd say to contend that, to contend that um, MVP means for someone to win MVP, their team has to have success. It's not just whoever performs the best. And right now the Giants aren't looking too hot. Uh, they do have a very bright future with Daniel Jones or at least – they have a young quarterback in that they could improve. But right now, if the Giants continue on the path that they are right now, which means lackluster seasons, I don't see Saquon becoming the MVP because MVP is nearly always rewarded to a player who makes the playoffs and leads their team far rather than like a five and 11, a player on a five and 11 team. Um, I would agree guys like Saquon and Christian McCaffrey if there will be a non-quarterback MVP, are poised to have it. But I also think the NFL is moving towards uh, much more passing of a league, and I think everyone's aware of that. Like, from the 50s or the 60s till now, it's changed drastically to a passing league. And I think that that trend could just continue to go upward, which means it would be less likely that a running back becomes MVP. So that's why I'm moving to the defense. While it is more of an offensive league, if there's one player who's very dominant and is able to stop those offenses and leads his team, I think that a defensive player like that could end up becoming the MVP as well. Uh, there's not one specific player I have in mind, and it might not be a player who's even been drafted yet. But guys like Aaron Donald, um, Khalil Mack, linebackers, or guys who are really able to uh, carry an entire defense and thus a team, I could see becoming the MVP because in such an offensive league, dominant defensive players who can stop these offenses really stick out. Yeah. And what I wanted to say is that I agree with what you're saying, but also I think the NFL knows that quarterback success affects a team more than running back success. Right. Well, that's just, that's also why um, I think 
there's never been a wide receiver MVP. I, I don't think Yeah. And at, the reason why I've said this before, maybe not on the podcast, wide receiver is the only position whose production depends solely on another player. Well, I mean, meaning the quarterback I'm saying, yeah, there's no way for a quarterback to have for a wide receiver to have success without the quarterback throwing him the ball. I'm saying, you know, wide receiver doesn't need to have a great quarterback to be great, but if a wide receiver is doing well, then, um, it's likely that the quarterback will also be doing well. And thus the wide receiver will never be the one who's getting more credit. Exactly. The wide receiver depends on a quarterback more than a running back depends on offensive line. Yeah, because it's because the, if, it's the like wide, hypothetically the wide receiver never gets any passes, they just cannot do anything. There's no way for them to succeed. Yeah, the At least back, the offense can always yeah, the running back can always break tackles and do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just I just want to say like the Adrian Peterson, who I think was the last non who's last MVP that was not a quarterback. Quarterback. He his team went ten and six. But I think that the Giants, I wouldn't, if Saquon Barkley has an MVP season, your team has to be really bad not to make the playoffs. If, if this year, if, if Saquon right. Barkley has an MVP season, the Giants will make the playoffs. Now, will well, he? Yes, but I'm not saying it's because, I don't know how to phrase this, but Saquon will only win MVP if his team is good and not his team will only be good if he wins MVP. I'm saying there's no way that his team is going to go 5-11 and 11. And he'll be awarded the MVP because that's just not the way that voters vote. Yes. Voters vote for team for players who not only have individual success, but their team is also succeeding because yeah. no one wants to pick a guy on a bad team to win the whole thing. Yeah. To win the MVP award, meaning. Yeah. All right. So next question. I feel like this year there are a lot of people, a lot of teams who you would really say are in a lock to be out of the playoffs. So I think I'm going to change that question up rather than a lock. To well, be first, of- just say what the question would have been. Or- the question well, would have been like, what what teams are a lock to be out of the playoffs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I want to change the question to make it a bit more. What teams would you have? What teams would you very much bet against making the playoffs? Okay, yeah. So that's basically just a lighter way of saying lock. It's a less bold yeah. way of saying what yes. teams are a lock. Lock for. Before I give you my picks or just some teams on the top of my head, um, the reason I thought about adding this question is, is because I think that uh, we're looking at a very exciting year in the NFL. And I'm not just saying that a lot of the teams who were previously very bad and seemed like locks right out of the playoffs now have new quarterbacks and new coaches. Um, so I don't think it's as easy to write them off as it was in years prior, such as the Bengals, um, the, the Bengals, the Dolphins, I don't know why I couldn't think of the Dolphins. Um, a lot of those teams who were very bad before have really gone, gone through a makeover in this offseason since there are so many new quarterbacks and uh, quarterbacks shifted around the league. So now for the teams that I think are, I think are locked for out of the playoffs, um, off the top of my head, the Jets, they just lost Jamal Adams. And Sam Darnold hasn't shown enough for me. They've got Le'Veon Bell, but no, they're really pretty bad. Um, you can you want to? We can go back and forth. Yeah, you can give me someone. I'll, I'll give my first one. I'm going to say the mm-hmm. Bengals. I think Joe mm. Burrow, even though he's a great pick, is he's a very he's a player who has a lot of potential. Yet he's going to be a project. 
It reminds me of, no, nah, I'm not going to say he's Peyton Manning, but the way he comes out of college kind of reminds me of Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning had a pretty up-and-down rookie year. Took him time to develop. I think that the Bengals don't have an elite defense. And even though their offense is solid, I don't think Joe Burrow will be elite enough this year to lead their team to success. Okay, I think it would be unlikely, but Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks that I've ever seen coming out of college. So I'm not very ready to write him off. And I also think this offense is getting, like people say Joe Burrow was only good, or people say that Joe Burrow was helped a lot because he had all these weapons in college, which is true. But he's coming into an offense where he's got Tyler Boyd, um, AJ Green, Joe Mixon. So it's not like he his team isn't, his offense isn't good this year. So I think yeah. that'll help him a lot. I think um, a more clear lock, and they might be the worst team in the NFL this year, the Jacksonville Jaguars. People, um, Gardner Minshew, I mean, he's still got some potential, but just what's surrounding him is so bad. This defense is basically collapsed or just gotten way worse with the loss of guys like Calais Campbell since um, 2017, which is when they were the best, yeah. Um, they've got a few good wide receivers ish, but really I think that they're locked for out of the playoffs. Yeah. And I'll, I'm going to, I would tend to say the Jaguars next. And I'll give you my reason. And I'll choose a different team. I think <laughs> the Jaguars, because who do they, what do they really have? Like, exactly. That's what I was saying. They got no one. They, they really don't have enough players to contend. They have uh, Leonard Fournette, who's probably honestly their best player at the current moment. And he's really been, he's been all right, but. Yeah, he's been hasn't, hasn't lived up to the hype. He was getting comparisons to AP coming out of college. Yeah, he hasn't been that good. And another team, like you said, the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins. What did they have last year? I know it sounds stupid, but I'm a big fan of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's been mm-hmm. able to lead bad teams to success. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has a few good spurts, but he doesn't like. He's not gonna. He's I not good to start all 16 games. He's fun for a few games, but he's I not to be like my all 16, like, Oh, I want him to be like a starter, but that's mm-hmm. the, he's not a player who you put in for four to five weeks. And suddenly he goes four and one, three and one, four and oh, and the dolphins had nobody. If you don't remember towards the beginning of the year, the dolphins were one of the, I mean, the first two weeks, I think the dolphins were outscored 90 to 10. Yeah. I remember that. They were so bad. They had nobody. They, I get that they got a few players in free agency and they signed and they got Tua Tagovailoa, but is that really enough to elevate you? I really don't believe so. And Do I they have like, a good defense? I'm thinking about who's on their defense. Do they oh, have anyone? Good. They got Byron Jones, who's a pretty right. good back. They got Kyle Van Noy, who's a pretty good linebacker. But I mean, in reality, is their defense average? No, it's below average. Is their offense average? No, it's below average. And I would say even farther than that, their offense, both their offense and defense are far below average. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that for the Dolphins. I'm ready to write him off. I love Tua. I really like him. But he's going to take a few years to, uh, until they get weapons around him. Yeah. So moving on to another team, I feel like I had one. I'm deciding between two here. I'm going to go with the Redskins. Or actually, sorry. Uh, Washington football team. Back in a few videos ago, we discussed what their name change should be if you guys are interested. The Washington football team. They've got Dwayne Haskins, who all Ohio State fans will defend, but he hasn't excited me too much so far. Um, They've got a few running backs. Their offense is better, I'd say, than the Dolphins or the Jets. 
they've they've got some really line guys. Really, they were really good defensive line, but that's all that scares me against them when you play them. It scares, but I they're definitely like on a higher tier than some of those other teams that we've mentioned earlier. But I still think that they're a lock for out of the playoffs because I don't think Dwayne Haskins is great. I think that their defense will still be below average and their offense will be like average at best. So if you asked me this before I heard about all their, like their name change and their, and the whole thing with Dan Snyder and all of this drama, I would have said they could be a dark horse for the playoffs. They could be a team that like, if everything mm-hmm. goes right, could be a sleeper contender, but I disagree wow. now. I just, I, they can't do it with all this drama with against them. Yeah. They, there's too much going on. Too much going on for them to fully succeed. And I was going to say the Redskins, honestly, the Redskins for me are the only team in the NFC that I'm going to say I would bet against making the playoffs, like very much bet against. Wow. Because all the, all the other teams have a lot of potential. Like the Lions, I wouldn't be surprised if they made the playoffs. They have a solid roster. The Falcons could do it. Actually, I'm going to say the Panthers. I was yeah, I was, I was thinking about the Panthers. I was waiting for you to say the Panthers because I was expecting that. The Panthers, they, they have an exciting offense. But what do With they Teddy have? Bridgewater, Christian Bridgewater, McCaffrey, DJ Moore. But who do mm-hmm. they have on their defense? Nobody. Right. They have rookies, and that's it. And that doesn't excite me. Also, like the Jets, the Jets maybe would have excited me with Jamal Adams, but I don't think they do anymore. There's nothing that enticing there. Again, I think the Panthers are on a higher, they're closer to the Washington football team than those other teams that we mentioned. But still, I think it's pretty unlikely that the uh, Panthers make the playoffs. They yeah. still do have a pretty good offense. Another team, this is kind of more of a joke. I got two teams here, the Lions and the Browns, just because they're the Lions and the Browns. They've got, if you're looking at their roster alone, they've actually both got pretty great rosters. Although the Lions did lose Darius Slay, so their defense is, I expect, to be pretty bad this year. But yeah. the Lions still have got Matt Stafford. Uh, they've got drafted new running backs, uh, great wide receiver core. But they're still the Lions, so at best, like, wild card. And then the Browns, again, are the Browns. Um, they had such a great team last year. Everyone was picking them as their sleeper to the point where it wasn't even a sleeper anymore because everyone thought it was going to happen. Yeah. And they were pretty bad. So those two are more of a joke, but just because of their historically bad um, nature. Yeah, that's man- why I'm going to – yeah, management. The Lions less because they've they've been in and out of like the wild card, but the Browns, you know. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to describe each NFC North team in a word or a phrase because I All think right. that is interesting and then explain why you said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can start here because I got to think about one. So let's go team by team. So what, what should the order be? First, we'll go with the Lions because we were just talking about them. Sure. Dysfunctional. Terrible. Hmm. Awful. I get these are a lot of words, but... They are a team that I would never bet that they can do well. They just can't. Them and the Browns are two teams in the NFL that are just never been really good. They just can't be good. They have terrible management. They Nobody wants to go to Detroit. They don't have good players. They don't have good culture. They really don't have anything. And right now, I get that they're a team that has good talent on their roster, and I, I wouldn't count them out for the playoffs because they're for sure a dark horse team. But that doesn't mean with Matt Patricia, who I've heard things about teams, about players that go to Detroit and they want to get out so fast. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I've heard terrible things about people who like 
will go to Detroit and hate it. And I think that if you go somewhere and dislike it that much, then you're just not going, nobody's going to end up going there. Got it. Yeah. I agree. I've got a similar word for the Lions. Uh, I would go with frustrating because throughout their history, they've had some pretty good rosters and great players, but frustrating or like disappointing or wasteful because they've wasted Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders guys who really deserved way more than what the Lions gave them. Hall of Famers, easy first ballot. And their careers were just ended up being wasted in, uh, in Detroit because of this bad management and bad history. And I think Matt Stafford, a similar thing is happening. He's a pretty great quarterback, but the Lions are the Lions, so they're just going to continue on making the wild card at best every season. Yeah. And next, I think we'll go to the to the Packers. And I'm going to say consistent. I know it's kind of weird to say because they had two 6-10 and 10 seasons around that, and they went to the playoffs into the NFC championship game. When mm-hmm. I think of the Packers, I think of quarterback play, consistent quarterback play. And when I think of consistent quarterback play, I think of consistency. The Packers, since we're we're younger, all that we can remember is a bit of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they've been successful since the late 90s. That's 24, 25 Mm -hmm. years straight that they've been successful. And yes, they've had a a few spurts where they weren't great here and they weren't great there. But that doesn't mean that all in all, and even though I hate to say this, that they haven't had good quarterback play. And they just haven't been able to put it all together that they've, they've just been able to put it all together. I can't find a better word. So I'm going to go with this efficient. They are very good at using what they have. And unlike other teams, there are some teams who have a dynasty and then 10 years and then another dynasty, something like that where there are breaks in between. But like you were saying with consistency, this is just going on to what you were saying. Backers are very good at using what they have and like how they drafted Rodgers while they still had Favre so that they can continue what's going on. And that's what they're hoping to do with Jordan Love here, I'd assume. Like they've just been great at um, continuing this line of great quarterback play. And they very rarely dip for more than two, three years at a time. They're always spring right back up and they're back into the Super Bowl or playoff hunt. Yeah. So we'll go on to the Minnesota Vikings and I'm going to say, actually, you go ahead. You can go start with the Vikings. No, you can go. I I really need to think about what to say. I'm going to say underwhelming. Very Hmm. underwhelming. Okay. Yeah. Every year, I feel like they have all the skill, all the potential. They can just never put it all together. Last year, they had skill-wise a top-five defense, a great running back, two great receivers, two great tight ends, and a below-average offensive line with a quarterback who I don't like, but people make <laughs> – I, I really think he's overrated, very much do. But people make the argument that he's not, and people say that he's still okay and whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They should have done a lot better than what they did last year. And even though they won in, in New Orleans, I'm not going to say it was a fluke, but I don't think that that, that I don't think that that game really summarizes Kirk Cousins and how the Vikings played last year. I think the Vikings the Vikings shouldn't be remembered for beating a team as the underdogs. They should be remembered as the whole season. Um, as the whole season, they just did bad under pressure, and then one game. They won in the playoffs, which I get is fair, but they won one game under pressure, and that's what they'll be remembered for. And they'll they'll be remembered as like not underwhelming, 
but they'll be remembered as doing better than what they should have. But I think that it should be that it should be thought of the other way. I re- I'm trying to find like an easy way to put this. I guess I'll explain to you my thoughts on the Vikings and then maybe I could do it in a word, even though that's kind of defeating the purpose of this whole thing. What I think about the Vikings, they're an organization that has a lot of talent and fails. And I feel like they like to blame it on other things that happened. They never, I, I it's hard to explain like, um, Brett Favre throwing the pick in the Super Bowl or Kirk Cousins does bad. I guess I could say excuses because the thing that's separating the Lions from the um, Vikings, because if you're looking at it from a bird's eye view, both of them are teams that have great rosters a lot of the time, but then end up not fully succeeding, is that while I think the Lions are just hopeless and miserable and very unlucky, I think that the Vikings actually have problems going on within their organization. And while I do believe that uh, to be the case for the Lions as well, I think that fans of the Vikings like to blame it on other things um, and make excuses for why those teams did badly rather than accepting that something went wrong within the team. And I'm not sure if that made sense, but I guess my word is excuses, simply put. Interesting. And now onto our Bears. The Bears. Ooh, the Bears. I'm going to say potential because I really (laughs) like just me being a Bears fan, but I really do see a lot of potential in their roster. And I know this isn't going back that far, but from my memory, all I could remember is them having young players and having potential rather than me remembering them in like 2012 where they were old and they didn't have potential. Right. You kind of knew what you were getting with them. And I feel like now all I can remember is Bears teams that have potential rather than teams that actually, you know what you're getting with them. You could also say inconsistent is my word, but like... Oh my God, I think I know what I'm going to say, but it'll also mean that I lose the trust of every Bears fan ever and I get turned on. I I mean, they all turn their backs on me. So here we go. Ready? Overrated. I said it. The Bears have been around for like literally the longest... They are the longest standing team that's still here of the current NFL teams. And they've made two Super Bowls. I understand that they made a lot of championships, but they've made two Super Bowls and won one. They have not had nearly the amount of success that some of their other, that some of the other historic teams have had, such as the Packers, gross, the Steelers, and so on. Really, as a Bears fan, I hate to say this, but it, I truly believe this. Even the Vikings, they've made four Super Bowls, and it's debatable whether, you know, winning one and losing one is better than losing all four. But still, I'm saying it frustrates me that, like, how can they be this historic of a team and have one amazing season, 85? And just, I don't know. (laughs) That's just what frustrates me. Well, the other argument to be made against what you're saying, they have the most Hall of Famers ever. They have one of the most wins. They have a great winning percentage. Just there are, I get that you're looking at Super Bowls and that only, but I feel like that's, that's something if like, if you're looking at that stat only, then yes, the Bears aren't that amazing and they look over. Well, what I'm saying is to be seen as one of the most storied franchises, it's weird that they haven't done that much, especially because Hall of Famers make sense because of how long they've been around for. Yeah, but they have more than the Packers. 
They have more than plenty of other mm -hmm. teams that have been around. There's five or seven teams. Yeah. They have a lot more. They have a, one of the best winning percentages. I still love my Bears. <laughs> but no, yeah. The thing is, is that. Maybe that was the wrong word. I guess disappointing can also work. Just, yeah, disappointing. Well, I mean, what kind of bothers me is think about this for a second. The Packers made two Super Bowls. They've made four ever. And two of them were the first two Super Bowls, right? Mm -hmm. So really, if the Super Bowl was pushed back five years, then the Bears would have, I think, two or three Super Bowl, the Super Bowl wins. They would have four appearances. And if you push the Packers thing up two or three years, then the Packers would have two Super Bowl appearances and two Super Bowl wins, while the Bears have one Super Bowl win and one Super Bowl, two Super Bowl appearances. Which really doesn't I guess my bad. So I'm saying I, I think, understand. Honestly, I'm not. I don't want to make excuses or this or that. But people disregard championships and what they mean. And if you're going to disregard it, then that's kind of stupid because it's like the it's it's, one year off. Yeah, it's pretty much saying like it was like the Bears won the championship '63 and the Super Bowl was '66 for the Packers. It's like pretty much saying like like the like the Patriots Super Bowl against the Falcons doesn't matter, but this Super Bowl does. You get what I mean? Like yeah, I, yeah, I do understand that. that. Yeah, so maybe not overrated as such. Another thing, I mean, of course, I think to be a fan of any team, it's frustrating at times or maybe disappointing just because of how great their defenses always are and then how lackluster their offenses are basically every season aside from when they're like, aside from when they have an amazing season, like an 85. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, now moving on to our final segment here, right? Yep. The NFL's top 100 was released, which is a – isn't it player voted? Yep. So it's player voted. They All the players in the NFL rank who they think are the top 100 players in the NFL. And Oren and I will be going over, just like we did for uh, the Madden rankings, who we think is the most overrated player and the most underrated player on this list. Oren, so you can kick us off because I haven't really given it much Overrated. Fun. And I get that this could have been seen as a tribute more than anything else, but Larry Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald <laughs> was, give me one second. Um, well, I think something to note before we get into this, a lot of what the players see us as fans never get to experience. And I think that they're putting in, like, there's a lot more to the game to stats than stat than just stats that, um, none of us fans will really understand. So Larry Fitzgerald, like all players who can last that long have had like, have to be a different level of elite. So I think just playing with a player like that players in the NFL understand how good Larry Fitzgerald is. But the thing is, I'm going to take two players, but I get the, like see the, it that way. But look at this, for example, Larry Fitzgerald. No, no, I understand. You're going to compare their stats, but I'm saying there are things that us as fans don't necessarily see that goes on, that proves their dominance, that proves how great of a player they are, that only players can understand. And that's why it's a lot easier to criticize um, like Madden ratings, because that's just another fan, basically, who has a higher up role. Um, whereas these ratings are actual players but with that said we're about to go criticize the rating so i'll let you i'll let you say think, about, now. think about it this way the half the people who are voting grew up idolizing larry fitzgerald he was their hero right. he did this he did that he's going to be high on this list but he's still overrated larry fitzgerald this season had 75 receptions 804 yards and four touchdowns and was rated 69 
Allen Robinson had 98 receptions, 1,147 yards, seven touchdowns. All right? Mm-hmm. Huge difference. And Allen Robinson was rated 93. I think Allen Robinson, we'll get into it later. I don't think he's the one who I think was rated farthest down. But I do believe that he should have been rated a bit higher. And Larry Fitzgerald shouldn't even be on this list. His numbers are an elite. They're not top 100. They're not mm-hmm. even top 150 or maybe debatably even not even hmm. probably top 200. But still. Like is that is he did he have that elite of a season? No, and I don't think that they should be praising him for that because he he's got enough glory and all of that. You shouldn't be putting him in there just because of like a last tribute or something like that. Yeah, I'm trying to find. I've been really bad at timing here. I'm real. I'm trying to find a a player who I think is overrated. What if I just did George Kittle again? That would be fun. That would be funny. But no, I don't really believe George Kittle. Um, overrated. Do you have someone that you know for underrated? Um, yeah, I think I have a few players. So then you can get to them and I'll be keep looking here. Well, actually, first, I think overrated Kirk Cousins. He's at 58. He's not that good. He's overrated. Get him off this list. He shouldn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Underrated. I hate to say this, but Zadarius Smith, he was 48. He had a really good season. I think that there's some players above him who had a pretty good season, but I don't know if they had that well of a season. Another player like Daniel Hunter, I think he should be a bit higher. He had a very mm-hmm. good season. Shaquille Barrett, I think he might have led the NFL in sacks or was second in the league in the league in sacks. He had a dominant season. He should be higher. Okay, ready? Overrated. Ready. You know what? Underrated. I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes just because Patrick Mahomes was clearly disappointed by this rating. He's a two-time MVP. He makes incredible throws. He's he's an insane athlete. Like, it's not just one of those Tom Brady situations. Well, Tom Brady's definitely, like, I'm not trying to take away from him. I'm just saying a lot of it is in the system. That's what I believe. Anyway, I got back sidetracked. But Patrick Mahomes is very talented. He should be, like, he should at least be the second-ranked quarterback. It's crazy that he's the third-ranked, although I do love Russell Wilson. As for overrated on this list, Man, I really Chandler Jones. He's good, but fifteen. Interesting. I think Chandler Jones is ranked higher than Khalil Mack. Yeah, I mean Chandler. And, if you look at his, he, I think Chandler Jones had the most sacks in the past five years out of anyone. Oh wow! But still, I, I don't know. I he's not a big name. That's the thing. That's like true. Khalil Mack's a big name. Chandler Jones is it? He's a player that by the players probably will get right like a fan's eye. Nobody's going to say he's 15. You might rate him at 40, 50, somewhere like that. But that's just because we don't like we, some reason, there's something about him, not about him, but just fans don't recognize. That's true. Well, yeah, we were talking about not recognition, but I'm going to go Chandler Jones. I think that does it for this episode. This is yeah. fun, like always. Bear down, guys. Sorry for those comments. I apologize. My apology video is coming out in a few days. You were wrong. All the backlash. No, I'm kidding. All right. Peace. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of From the Den, please remember to comment or leave a review depending on your listening platform. Or if you're a Packers fan, remember to write some nasty reviews and comments. Thanks for listening and bear down.